On this podcast, we talk about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. And this is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Social Antics with myself, Dave Alton, and producer Owen. Dave, how are you this week? In agony, it's week 10 of Dave. Now you know how I feel every week. I'm sure, yeah. (laughs) Week 10 of Dave being off to Marlborough Lights and I'm in agony. Agony. I've had tonsillitis twice in the last 10 weeks. I can't sleep, getting the shake, so I'm off the veil. I'm off everything. You know what they say, no one likes a quitter. I can Mm. see fucking why. (laughs) Fucking agony, so I am. Off, Off everything, but I'm sure a bigger wallet. Nah, sure, I'm just drinking more. <laughs> just <laughs> get over it. Spending it on other discretionary expenditure, mm. effectively. Other bad habits. It's like they it's like they always used to say, you know, back in the back in the day, whatever they'd say, like, uh, well, do you know if you didn't spend any of your money on cigarettes, you'd have enough to own a Ferrari. It's like do you smoke? No. Where's your fucking Ferrari so? Like you'll find things to spend money on, like yeah. ultimately. I stick to me golf. Yeah, we have, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. But um I'm delighted to see this in front of us this week. Um, Rascals Brewing with Club uh, You're a big fan of this one Last time I had this Now I was going down to Sharkin Island in Cork um, Me and a car full of, full of lads And um, we got ourselves As you'd say An eclectic collection Of summery cans To bring down It was a lovely job. Whatever wave. could fit in the bag Exactly yeah, It was the heat wave We had there last year And it was just I think we had just Come out of lockdown maybe Or there was easing Of restrictions Maybe the pubs Were still closed or something But we went down And um, it was the weekend That they launched this Which for people who haven't seen it before, so it's basically a, a collaboration between Rascals Brewing Company in um, in Chicor in Dublin and Club, and everyone obviously knows who Club are, and it's called a Rock Shandy Pale Ale, and it is one of the most refreshing summery drinks you will ever come across. Again, this is not hashtag ad. We're not being paid for this. Um, Club don't know we exist. Rascal don't know this is happening. <laughs> we are merely enjoying their beer, but it's actually genuinely a gorgeous beer. It's a really, really cool partnership. And when they brought this out last time, I know I gave out to you because I spotted that you put it up on our Twitter at the time that you were off to the island drinking it. And I didn't get to try it because it was actually a, a very limited run that oh, they yeah, done. Oh big time. Um, but absolutely went down a storm. Um, but thankfully... They brought it back only the last week or so, and I'm even watching their TikToks and like they're doing great behind the scenes shots of it being great. But they're they're after they're after creating a good bit this time. I hope to keep up with the demand of the summer. But but it's nice to see it. Like like it'd be a great thing to see these kinds of stuff coming out at the start of every summer. Like you know just for just for the summer, just for the summer. Months. No no no, all year round, happy out. All year round. Yeah, all year round. <laughs> Dave, brand ambassador. Every, 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 every day is a party. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a cool partnership in fairness. And the Rascals, actually, the crowd that that are, that are making it, they do a lot of cool beer in fairness to them. Uh, they have a good selection of beers. And uh, yeah, and I like, again, the way we like the bit on the side. Mm. This is very, very simplistic. It's a crushable pale ale with a club rock shandy twist. Done. Amazing. You like that, do you? <laughs> none of this, again, none of this fucking unicorn flying over the hill to meet the line in the mountain, any of that kind of stuff. Just very, very simple, clean. And the cat, the can is cool. The can is cool. Like, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about going into an awful license, and you know nowadays, if you're going over to that craft beer section, every can is a bit mad and colourful. This is even mad and colourful amongst the mad and colourful cans. But like. what's interesting is you walk into, like, it would grab, for, never mind the drink inside, and it would grab your attention because that should not be in the beer section, the off-license, the club. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's such an iconic like, yeah, yeah. Irish brand now at this stage. You know, it shouldn't be in, in that section. So obviously it's going to catch probably why you caught your eye attention, or attention the first time around. 
Yeah, no, what I'm interested in, because I'll finish this off there now, as in the point in front of you. I'm interested in what it's like just from the can. So I'm wondering, is this, almost like you were at a club, like you drink a club can from the can, right? You're very, very poor. That's the problem. Class, like, yeah, we'll try it. But no, it's absolutely gorgeous. Dangerous. Absolutely unbelievable. Dangerous. No, fair play to the lads there. So in terms of news this week, there's a few bits we have to get through um, in terms of things that popped up. But one thing I want to give a shout out to, more so on the back actually of what we talked about in the last time around, um, was the whole area of kind of TikTok e-commerce. We talked about they were after teaming up with WooCommerce that time in terms of to give further e-commerce uh, options on the on on the platform. But I spotted during the week Dermot, um, who is one of the co-founders of Gym Plus Coffee, which we've talked about many times um, over the over all the episodes. But they've decided to team up with TikTok, and they're one of the first brands in Europe to offer this um, almost like TikTok live shopping experience. And they run a live event for two hours, and whatever way it works, you're able to literally shop while watching it, and you have people coming on, trying to close, almost like a catwalk kind of event. Um, but partnering, as I said, it's a new partnership to trading out TikTok or trading out across Europe, Gym Plus Coffee being one of the first ones. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting way, as a, especially what we talked about, that this is the way TikTok is going now with the e-commerce. So they're trying all these new ways. Um, it's even actually coming up in the next week because obviously we, we've talked about there where they're doing, you know, it's kind of Pride uh, Pride Week. They're doing another one, uh, Pride Special, because they have a full Gym Plus Coffee Pride range. And all the proceeds that are going to go towards a UK partner that they're teaming up with for Pride. So they're really pushing this TikTok live shopping experience. Yeah, like, and what I like about it again is that what we have said for probably the last year is that the worst thing that TikTok could do is that when they start monetizing the platform properly, that it becomes more advertising orientated than creative orientated. Um, or that you will have ads which interfere with the kind of playful experience, which is what TikTok is. This is a perfect experience of how you can do e-commerce right because mm. you have, like you said, kind of a catwalk experience, yeah. but then you just have the e-commerce element subtly embedded within that. So mm. again, the perfect idea of how you can actually use um how you can actually use an e-commerce platform and make it entertaining orientated and it's entertainment first e-commerce second. So no fair play to TikTok. And again, that's something that we haven't seen really on Instagram, Facebook. So again, they are starting to innovate more than those historic meta brands are so that's interesting well you, well you had them you had the the events or the catwalk or the special events but the thing is you couldn't actually do the end there was purchase. no e-commerce element yeah. yeah there was no end purchase of it so this is great and in fairness actually fair play to the lads in Jim plus coffee they're obviously doing phenomenal but to be able to be chosen by the likes of tiktok or any of these platforms to partner with they're at, they're at a great level to do that you know and to be able to kind of be innovative in, in that space no it makes sense and look i think the Again, the the key here for all this is that TikTok is going to come under pressure when, because there's no doubt there's going to be some issues of privacy concerns and stuff like that. Um, they are starting to blend the different types of content because it was all short form. And by short form, mm. I mean 10, 10 15 10, seconds. Yeah. Now you're starting to edge out to one minute, two minute, mm. eight minute, a few of them. Um, Which I don't mind because what drove me nuts was you'd watch something, you know, oh, click on our buy or click on our profile to see part two and you're scrolling for ages see, actually, for this see, just watched. Yeah, so I actually don't mind that but the functionality was terrible. There should be a way where you click create through. almost like a book. Yeah, yeah exactly. Post so, the link below or something swi like that. Swipe right to get to the next version of that video and swipe down to get... Yeah, so th that's something that functionality which is quite poor. Now, again, there's a reason for that is that they want people jumping between yeah. different pages constantly. But again, look, 
I think in terms of the innovation that's happened, look, there's no innovation happening in marketing advert or in digital advertising for years and years and years outside of Facebook and Instagram. So I'm loving all of this. Yeah. So has Rant popped up for you this week, Dave? So I suppose one of the interesting things that always happens in marketing and branding where, so, where something happens which is of real political or kind of geopolitical significance. Um, and obviously we've had the war in Ukraine for the last number of months and we've seen a lot of brands pull out of um, Russia as a result of that. So obviously what's happened now is that Russia have tried to take those brands, put their own spin on it and rebrand it. So... For example, this week, um, McDonald's restaurants all over um, Moscow in particular, but it's going to be all over Russia, um, have reopened their doors um, with the rebranded chain called Tasty, and that's it. Yeah, it's I saw this actually. It's Russian, but it, that's what it's translated. What's Tasty and that's it. Tasty and that's it. Is that it? that's essentially what it is. So it's it's, it's, it's all the decor is the same and everything. Everything it? is the exact same except for they've changed the branding. Now this isn't like when, and again, the story gets a little bit kind of muddled up whereby. Uh, during World War Two, when um, uh, cola syrup couldn't be imported into Nazi Germany anymore, um, basically the Coca-Cola bottling plant in Germany basically created Fanta because they couldn't get access to anything else. And the interesting story about that is that the flavour of Fanta changed multiple times throughout that period because it was what ingredients they could get effectively. So this isn't like that. This isn't a brand going in and reimagining their brand within Russia. This is the Russian government or agents of um, the Russian state going in and recreating that brand ultimately. So that's kind of what is, um, it's interesting to see that, and we've seen it in China for many, many years, whereby brands or business people, when they reappropriate and and they have their own versions of it, actually looked earlier on, because you kind of forget them, right? But some of the actual brands in China in particular, which are counterfeited, and again, this is the same as the, what do we call it? Um, Not counterfeited, they're they're, they're inspired by. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, inspired by is a very, very uh, politically correct way of, um, politically correct way of describing it. You guys in trouble for saying that. That's it, But there's, um, if you look at a few of them, the the more well-known ones, I suppose, is Sunbox, which is... Starbucks, Starbucks, isn't Starbucks it? in Shanghai. <laughs> um, you've got uh, Woomart, which is Walmart. Walmart. Um, no points for this one. iPhone. iPhone. Vodafone, like is it? I forgot. To, iPhone. Oh, iPhone. Is it that? <laughs> I forgot. That's that? iPhone. Is the is the is the is the the Macchiato, the Do inspired by yeah, iPhone. Yeah. Um, and then the again one of my favourite ones just because they didn't even bother to try and make up a creative name for this one Boreos Boreos <laughs> Oreos my favourite is still and no to be fair look they are direct copies right but you get this in like if you look at some of your discount stores for example some of the mock-ups are mm. ridiculous like I mean one of my favourite ones is um, Captain Morgan and oh. one of the German retail, Commander Jones Commander which Jones. is just yeah. why would you why would you buy Captain Morgan when you can it's have like, um, Commander Jones? I don't know what the story is, and I think there is a story behind it. But um, isn't it Eddie Rockets changed all over the country then to like Rock and Joe's? It's just something else, wasn't it? Just something like red to blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, effectively, yeah, yeah, effectively. So look, it's again, it's and it's it is an issue now. What I would say is that the the interesting thing is that there is a seriousness to this for these brands because all of the headlines across Sky News, BBC, CNN. The headlines across all of them was McDonald's restaurants reopen in yeah. 
It'd be very Russia, dangerous what they're saying. Which like is not the case. <laughs> McDonald's have not reopened within Russia. No, someone was brought in to take over Correct. all the places. Yeah, and, well, that's, that's, my, that's my understanding yeah. of it anyway. Like, there's no way that McDonald's have gone back in nowadays, in no, particular, and reopened really stuff. Like, like, yeah, like and look, it. I know capitalism and look, the currency of capitalism is money ultimately, but even McDonald's wouldn't be it's stupid enough to them. kind of go exactly <laughs> too low even for McDonald's. Yeah. Um, so that was an interesting one in terms of. Um, I suppose, changes in geopolitics and how that might influence upon their brand management. I spotted another one there from McDonald's. So they have decided to partner with a non-profit group over in the US uh, called Marcus Graham Project. Um, from my understanding, going looking at them, they basically look at kind of diverse groups that basically need help up and give them courses and, and help them get off the ground. But basically, they McDonald's have partnered with them um, to create... Uh, the opportunity for 12 marketers to go into almost like a boot camp for 11 weeks. Right. But the whole idea is that they, they obviously gain a huge amount of experience creating campaigns for McDonald's, obviously, throughout it. But at the end of it, they're going to get the chance to, no, this is where I don't get it. They get the chance just to, it said interview for internship, internships and entry level roles with the Gollin Group and Whedon, Whedon, however they pronounce it, and Kennedy who are their agency, yeah, they're yeah, the public yeah. relations and lead creative agencies for McDonald's. So it's all well and good, like, but it was kind of very much lower level. You're going to get the chance to interview for entry level, not even that the winner will be took on for 12 months. They only get the chance to interview. But who are, who, are, who are these people? I'm, I'm still a bit confused. Who are these people? What, what What's the point of this? I do, well, apparently, obviously, the small print then when you go the whole way down, it's McDonald's latest effort to improve diverse representation in marketing, but comes as the chain faces a lawsuit alleging discrimination in its advertising practices. So obviously they've done something stupid, right, but we right. need a bit of a PR stunt here to get out and about. So and here's good. a bit of CSR just yeah. to greenwash everything. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So so that's what they're up to. So on the back of that, so now look, look, I look again from my own background, and we send students out to do internships. And look, the more opportunities that the big companies give to job young marketers, the better. Um, I don't really understand the CSR element. They should be doing this anyway. Yeah. Um, do you know? When you're at that level, um, like even you see the likes of um, Jameson do it, Musgraves do it. They all, they all do, do these it, yeah. huge internship programs. And McDonald's do it as well here. Yeah. Like I mean, they have graduate programs and like they're very, very good. They're very yeah. well renowned. Like McDonald's are a very, very good company to work for if you're to go by the awards and the the, the online rating agencies and stuff like that. Well, so either way, they're going to have eleven weeks of twelve people creating specifically. Marketing uh, campaigns for them. So Are they getting paid position. for this? Like, it's, 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 I don't know. Does, I try finding that. Does, and I there, find there is it. a touch of The Apprentice without Alan Sugar and the BBC about the whole thing. To be honest yeah. with you, yeah. So I don't know. I I tried finding that, but obviously well hidden in the small print somewhere. So I tried yeah, to find yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah, so. yeah. Actually, I'm enjoying that drink. Are you enjoying it? No, I told you again. It's one of the most summery drinks I've ever drank. It's absolutely gorgeous. I really, really like it. I've never it. seen I, you more passionate about it. And someone. I would, and I would say it to be fair. Now, again, I am one. I am a sucker for good marketing. Like the can, because the can is summery. I immediately am going to think it's a summery drink, but it actually tastes. It's giving you the good feels, is it? And I would say, drink it from the can. It keeps its fizz better. I presume that's because it's the rock shander. I, I know I'm not. I know nothing about craft beer. Um, or brewing or canning or anything like that. So it tastes no difference whatsoever. It does. It fucking does. It <laughs> fucking does. Your it's head gorgeous. No, it's absolutely gorgeous. You are just a non-believer. A non-believer. You can fuck non-believer. yourself. Right, we'll drive it on. Uh, <sighs> Lidl's having to go at Tesco is what I spotted. Well, apparently it's actually going on a year, but it's popping back up at the moment that Tesco is accused of ripping off Lidl's logo. 
So not their actual logo, but their the whole club card loyalty kind of side of stuff. They decided to use a yellow circle and a blue background and little are basically giving out saying it's copying their logo. They're trying to, you know, hop on the bandwagon and all this. But my favorite statement of the whole thing was Tesco have come out and stated that it's a figment of little's legal imagination. Which yeah, I really like. Funny, yeah, it's a bit of a funny one. Like, I mean So It's going to trial. And apparently it's going to estimate it's going to cost both of the stores about £1.2 million, uh, which is obviously not a small case by the time it's over. It's going on a year, as I said, now already. Less than Amber Heard us to pay Johnny Depp, though. Um, yeah. So the, uh, like, I mean, look. Wait I think, for the look, retrial. Yeah, <laughs> I, I look, I think for all of these things, the, um, like, I do, look, so one, I don't think it was intended on the, on the, on the Tesco marketing site because it doesn't make any sense. Why would you create a brand association such as the yellow and blue for something that is associated directly with your own brand. That doesn't make any sense from a strategic marketing perspective. One could argue that if Little and Aldi or Little in this case were eating up a huge amount of market share because they are seen as the the kind of the discounter that it would make sense for Tesco to bring in some stuff there. So they replicate own brand, for example, back in the day. But there's no logic in this because Tesco themselves are kind of a discounter anyway. In comparison, in Ireland anyway, in comparison to your Duns and your, well, your super values in, in the UK, in comparison to your Marks and Spencers. So like... What I think is more cheeky out of them always when you go into a store and they have, you know, the, the Murphy family are up doing their shopping and it's like they have the two receipts and this one's like 100 euro cheaper than the other one, you know, and they're always battling. But they mention the stores in those ones. You know, but it is, no, but it is, again, I know I've no, I've no issue. Look, that's particularly in Ireland and the UK, it is very, very difficult to criticise your competitors. It has to be absolutely grounded in absolute fact. In the U- in the US, it's an entirely different scenario. You can basically rip them. rip them to pieces and it's all built on. Now, obviously, you can't slander them, but like you've, you'd have seen the... Um, elaborate. <laughs> yeah, you'd have, you'd have seen the, 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 the examples over the years whereby um, Audi would put up a, a billboard in the US and then next to them and saying um, your move, um, your move yes. Audi or something like yes. that. And then the next one will say, "Oh, checkmate!" And it's a massive billboard. Now they're owned by the same bloody company, yeah. but that's not that's not the point. They're in the same room coming yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but the the key here is that you can do. And Coke and Pepsi have done the same thing for years and years and years. I have no problem with. And again, the more information that consumers have, the better anyway, right? And like back in the day. Little Naldi were far cheaper than mm. your Tesco's and so on and so forth. Now they've come into the market for many, many years and those prices have kind of come down or the Little Naldi price have come up, whichever way you want to describe it. But in relation to this case, it does not make any logical sense why a brand like Tesco would use the colours of their competitor and create a brand association with their competitor in store or in terms of their loyalty it doesn't make any sense like if if you if if you think about it if this campaign were to work and they were to conceptualize it essentially what they are saying is little or cheaper than us and we are trying to make ourselves look like little look cheap. that's yeah. essentially like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't make any sense why they would do it so therefore there's only so I, many I, I, colors you can choose tesco from lawyers, I, i'm siding with the tesco lawyers here only so many colors you can choose from exactly so what else exciting have you got there um so last week um there was the apple developer conference 
um, which is always very, very exciting because um, we get to see all the new things that Apple are launching in the next kind of 12 months and so. And there's, I find two things interesting about, um, about this conference. One is the new products that they're launching. So over the years, it would have been AirPods, for oh, example. Say, another phone now with a different size screen, no difference. And guess what? You'd be first in line to buy it. I'll be to, I Apple don't user. Buy, I don't buy I'm an Apple user. And by the way, they're the biggest company in the planet for a reason, unlike your Samsung, lad, who are hovering around the 500 mark. But anyway, we won't <laughs> talk about that. But ultimately, the key here, which I, which I kind of find interesting, and again, it speaks to... Apple's dominance in the marketplace, which is an issue for some up-and-coming brands, is that every year they release one new features on the apps, which don't necessarily replace anything. So that means that, um, again, like the AirPods, for example, those were new, fresh, innovative. hadn't been taught, innovative. Yeah. They also, though, have a section where they take brands that are out there at the moment and build them into their new technology. So therefore it's making those competitors, not competitors, but it's making those apps obsolete because they're basically you know, giving it to all their users for free. So there was a few examples of this, um, which I thought were interesting. So I'll go through a few of the ones that are a bit superficial and then we'll go to go to the rest of them afterwards. So one is um, they're basically after replacing Camo. So Camo were an app that basically allowed you to turn your iPhone into a webcam. Okay. So if you didn't have a good webcam or anything like that, you could just basically pop it on the back of your um Mac or whatever the story is and basically create a very very powerful um, web experience so that was that that's after being kind of replaced in the latest version um, you had Freeform which is the equivalent of Figma's Fig Jam um, or kind of teamwork could be a similar idea where it's all about collaborating or Envision would have yeah. similar products so it's all about developers collaborating with each other they're now after bringing that into, um, into their new kind of platform uh, Aura which is a sleep tracking app which a lot of people use they're now replacing that that's, that's being built into the Apple Health kind of suite the one that I'm most kind of excited about or the one that's going to make the most difference is they now have Apple Pay Later which is going to compete with Klarna so for people who don't know, Klarna is an organization that last year was valued at about $46 billion. And the platform allows you to go into an e-commerce website. And instead of you paying, we'll say, 500 euros for a new laptop now, you spend 125 now. And then all the other payments are split out over a period so of time. Flexify or something. One of those. The exact same as Flexify, which is not called Flexify. Actually, sorry, it's not what's called. It's um... Home. Home, yeah, sure. um, yeah. which I is the never, UK and Ireland equivalent, yeah. So, um, so and again, Clarence are, are now in our market effectively, so I'm not sure how home are doing anymore. But ultimately, the, the key here is that this is kind of a it goes along with Apple's overall strategy whereby they're changing themselves and transforming themselves from a hardware brand into a financial services brand. And we've seen now they've got the Apple Card is out. Apple Pay is one of their biggest revenue generating sources at the moment. The revenue that they make through um, in-app purchases via um, users who use various apps in their app store is a revenue generator for them. And this is just another example of that. Now, what I think is important here is one, they're now going up against a big player in Klarna who are dominant in this space. But it shows the power of Apple in so much as that if you've got an app on their store, you don't even need to go after, um, you don't even need to go after um, their e-com business because all the transactions are going through the app store anyway. So I think it's going to be very, very interesting how they actually compete with Klarna in the short and medium term. Well, that's not the most exciting news to come out of Apple now in the last week. Oh. You're finally coming, we'll say coming over to the dark side as you would look at it, you're actually going to get proper chargers into your phone. 
Change, um, they're changing the ports to to take USB-C. So I obviously don't read any of the articles, but I know you don't because I'm the one who does all the research. <laughs> but it's every single uh, electronic device is going to have a yeah, universal... Yeah, I'm sure we've been using them anyway. You haven't. USB-C. It's USB-C, yeah, What yeah. have I got my phone? I don't have a clue what phone exactly. you have. <laughs> so but a lot, no, but a lot of them have you have don't have the um, don't the USB C. They have ones. other ones. Yeah, and and all. old dodgy ones. But the ultimate, ultimately, the, the point the point here is that yeah, that's good for that's good for consumers. Like I mean, if you look at yeah, because you get fed up. Have you got a charger? No, I don't have an Apple charger. It's the same vice versa, mate. <laughs> that's how it works when people have dual charge of different types of chargers. But ultimately, look, if you look at this, so again, I know you've brought it up there now, but I've actually done my research on, on it. So have you any idea how much consumers spend on unnecessary charger purchases no. across the European Union? No. About 250 million euros, roughly speaking. Um, and then if you're going to put your environmental hat on, there's about 11,000 tonnes of e-waste every year. That's because uh, the amount sense. of... Times you run down the street, need a quick charger, you run into deals or pound shop and, buy and you buy crap chargers. Doesn't and next work thing ultimately. it starts sizzling at home. Yeah, it's like, get rid of it quick. Did, did I plug out the charger that's going to light my house on fire? Don't yeah. you see every now and then it's like the, the Apple phone or the Samsung after exploding and you're going, that'll never happen to me. And then all yeah. of a sudden you plug in one of these dodgy things and it's. Bzzz, yeah. it, it happened to me recently. My, my, um, I had, what the hell? I don't think it was my phone. I think it was a, the, the battery charger plugged in. But a charger I've had. Side the bed for here two years now, and um, I was there one smell something. I looked down and here it was smoking. The thing was smoking. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. like it's a good charger. It was one of the, the ones that came with the thing. I like would it, argue was. it wasn't a good charger if it started fucking <laughs> no, smoking. No, Terms and conditions apply. Charger was, shouldn't smoke. Like myself, shouldn't smoke. It was over its warranty. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, look, it's a good look. Again, I like. No, it's going to cause an issue for the manufacturing brands because ultimately, the like they're still going to have their own port in when they sell into the US for example. And is this just something is this just happening across Europe then? Yeah, no, it's it's an EU commission thing. Like I know they've started to transferring some of their devices to USB-C already, but ultimately like I mean they're still have a lot of their devices which they say is going to stifle their innovation if they're forced to have a universal charger, which is nonsense because again we know with Apple they're hard, they're predominantly a hardware brand like even though we spoke earlier on about them kind of transitioning into being a financial services company, the majority of their revenue at the moment still comes from hardware, which means that they want to sell more chargers, more um, more headphones, more everything, effectively. Well, I think it helps in a lot of even, um, you know, third-party kind of um, manufacturers because, like, I was only chatting to a buddy of mine today now about, you know, um, wireless kind of lapel mics for shooting videos and stuff, and I said to him, what are you using? He sent it on to me, and he's an avid Apple user, everything, like everything's connected. And this was a lapel mic that would you plug in and it only works for Apple. Do you know? So it's oh, like no, those kind of things. Everything so is now closed system. Everything yeah. will open up a little yeah. bit more. You know? Well, look, I mean, Apple have always, to be fair to Apple, Apple have always, their strategies are based around closed system. Nothing is open yeah. access or very, very little is open access. So, and that strategy has worked very, very well for them. So they ain't going to like this. Mm. Um, and I think, again, they can see... Look, look, Apple are smart, right? They're probably going to come up with something here which isn't necessarily a charger, but you need some specific, you know, whatever you want to call it, node at the end of it to actually make it work. So, I look, I don't know how what's going to go, but Apple are pissed anyway. That's all I know based <laughs> on what the... Um, based on the feedback that we've been we've been hearing, Apple are not happy, and you can understand why. They were celebrating here in Cork anyway. During the week, they decided to book... Um, 
Dermot Kennedy, the singer, for an old surprise gig in the car park. They did what? Yeah, they were booking him. Now, I'm not sure the circumstances behind it, but yeah, Dermot Kennedy was up so to a surprise gig. So, for listeners here, so people don't necessarily know about <laughs> Given this. Given the education, they don't, how much? <laughs> they don't broadcast anything, but Apple's European headquarters is in um, Cork in Ireland, where we're based. Um, and unlike a lot of... Um, American commentators who basically think that it's actually a post box here and they just have it for corporate tax reasons. It's actually... Two lads in an office. <laughs> it's actually, they've got a 5,000 plus strong workforce up there and they're constantly expanding. So they had a singer, a very famous singer, Irish singer Irish anyway, singer, up yeah. there during the week. Rock up to the car park and sing. But am I right in saying that it was the, f- the, it was, it was the first outside of the US office that they opened up as well? I have a clue. I think so, yeah. Like it's up there a good 20 odd oh, years now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's up, up there a good long, long time, time now. So, um, so, so you're telling me that there. So you go and work for Apple, and you get a gig at lunchtime. Usually, when the students leave the university, the canteen doesn't even open. I got to bring in my own lunch. That, pay, that, pay for their that, own tea. That's, <laughs> the, that's the difference now between the, those two different. Um, Actually, you, rem- you reminded me of something there. Now you get me inspired by again talking about um, kind of company cultures and stuff like that. I spotted that on all their talks of uh, you know hybrid working and working at home and businesses changing their models and all this. Mr. Elon Musk decided during the week that he was taking it all back and he wants all of his staff in 39, 40 hour a week. They want to be in the office. No more work from home. The higher up you are, the more you should be in, the more visible you should be in. So he's changed it on. He says he wants them all back in the office. Yeah, look, I mean... Do you think many of them will go that way now? Um, Like, I think the comment that he made was that if you don't want to come back, you can go and not work for another company, basically. So basically, he doesn't trust his employees to... Now, look, I have always been of the opinion that... I think he came out and said that if if you do not show up, you can take it that you are handing in your resignation or something. He's, like, very bluntly like that is the way he said it. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, he wants them all to come back. But, I mean, my... Like, to be fair, right, if you take the majority of let's say, professional administrative type workers in across Ireland, the UK, the vast majority for the vast majority of their lives have worked in what we would call the stereotypical nine to five five job. The probability of several million people being able to fulfill very, very diversified, complex tasks across a wide variety of very, very different industries in the very, very specific time frame of nine to five is basically zero. So you've I know you've worked for multinationals in the past and I've worked for company where you're sitting around for the day basically waiting for the clock to run down so when you can go home, yeah. right? I think that is fundamentally unhealthy. You should because you're not motivated. You are looking for the clock to as, as effectively wind down. So there is a complete logic in terms of you expending the maximum of energy into your work when you're working from home. Um, I think there's a huge amount of issues with working from home in terms of socialization. Mm. I can understand if you worked for a company and then you went to work from home, it would work okay because you know how the company works. Try going into a company from scratch oh, and, and working from home. Very, very difficult to do. No um, no initiation, no meeting the team, no nothing. Like, like only recently um, I was at an event and there was someone there um, and they were talking about how they'd never met their yeah. colleagues in a year. A year. Like, you know, that's a long time and they've only ever met them over emails, you know, which is phenomenal. Like, you know? And if you're doing a transactional job, that might be okay. I still don't think it's okay because we've all been in office situations or warehouse situations whereby someone needs to run away, someone's overloaded at work. And if there's a collegial atmosphere there, 
you go and you help out ultimately, right? Um, or there's a teamwork dynamic and at least everyone kind of gets on and there's less issues for the organization. Everything becomes more productive. He obviously feels, and his dad, and to be fair, he is a data-driven, predominantly, well, he's ego-driven, but he's also data, <laughs> ego-ideological, but also a data-driven individual. His data is obviously showing that productivity is down. Productivity is down. It's not working. And to be fair, if you look at the majority of Tesla workers, they're engineers, right? They have to be on site. They probably need to be on site for the the ease of quick decision making. And look, ultimately, I think that there are going to be some organizations that will want people back in the office fully. I think there are some organizations that will do a work from home kind of a a kind of a split. And we spoke last week about um companies putting uh, salaries on job descriptions yeah. another thing they're going to have to put start putting on job description is what is the working culture yeah. like can you or do you have an option to work from home do you have an option to take a sabbatical or go on a yeah. secondment what does that actually look like and again people will want to work for organizations whereby i'm not necessarily saying it's a three-day week but it's a three-day week at home and maybe two days in the office or maybe sometimes it's completely remote. And again, people are able to structure their lives around that, mm. you know. Um, particularly now when we're going into possibly a recession or we're going into inflation, childcare is going up, the cost of transport's going up. Um, so again, people are going to be looking for ways that they can save when they're not going to be getting increases. That's a way to do it. So look, I think it's it's an interesting debate that's going to go on for a very, very long time. I don't think it's binary. I don't think it's right or wrong. I think it's very, very complex. Um, depending on the organization, depending on the leadership style, he's decided very, very binary. No, That's you're it. in. And you know what? He can do that if he wants. It's up to him. Yeah. So you have some big news this week on, I suppose, I keep saying, actually, I want to say Facebook, but the whole world of meta. Yeah. So last week, Sheryl uh, Sandberg, who was their CEO for the last uh, 14 years and saw a massive amount of growth for that overall organization. She was effectively described as the adult in the room uh, when Mark <laughs> was um, still basically a toddler um, trying to grow that organization. So let's start with, I suppose, a couple of her successes, right? So in terms of someone who is business orientated... This sounds now like you're about to rip her down after a few of these, I am, right? yeah. Oh, okay, um, right, okay. So, <laughs> so as a starting sorry. point, right... There's, she has grown Facebook. So when she took over in 2008, their revenue was about $200 million, roughly speaking. Um, Today, it's about $117 billion. So she has overseen that whole growth. She was in core to revolutionizing their advertising model and their advertising strategy. She created what I would see as the most sophisticated advertising model in history in terms of advertising. And again, People are giving out now in terms of um, Instagram, Facebook being quite a, an expensive place to advertise digitally. Back in the day, the amount of economic wealth that was created through people using that platform, targeting people, and again, we'll get on to it. Um, but in terms of the model they created, it was absolutely incredible. Um, that being said, and I'm not going to say this, uh, I'm going to quote someone <laughs> else who said something. You have a lovely way about you, you know, you just kind of build it up to tear exactly, it down. Yeah. So... <laughs> Shauna Thomas, who's a co-founder, uh, co-founder of a women's rights group um, in the United States, and this is a quote from the Guardian uh, newspaper, um, said that Cheryl Sandberg may fancy herself a feminist, uh, but her decisions at Meta made social media platforms less safe for women, people of co- colour, and the American electoral system. Sandberg had the power to take action for 14 years, yet consistently chose not to. I think this is the core 
issue that I have with Sheryl Sandberg. So she said that she was leaving to focus on her philanthropy. So going out and doing good for the world and all the rest of yeah, it. She made enough money she can leave. <laughs> this is the woman that oversaw the Cambridge Analytica stack scandal, mm-hmm. has overseen Facebook being used um, for Brexit, has overseen Facebook being used for the election of Donald Trump, has seen um, Facebook being exacerbated as a place for racism, misogyny, all different types of things. And then the one that we've spoken about on a number of occasions, which is your teenage suicide and so on and so forth. So they have... That platform, and by that platform I mean your WhatsApp, your Facebook and your Instagram, cumulatively have been incredibly damaging to society. And we've spoken previously about verification, all the rest of it, right? Now forget about what they should do. The point is is that they did nothing and she was the main person in charge when all of this was going on. And for her now to say that I am leaving and I'm going to engage in philanthropic work, is the equivalent of not, not a, war, a warlord basically blowing up a warehouse and saying that well now I'm going to build a greenhouse to grow fruit and veg for the local village like in, it doesn't work in like in my opinion yes there was there's so much we've talked about that can be done but the thing is you can't forget that in a sense it's not them doing it it's the people using these platforms using them for negativity no disagree entirely you're absolutely wrong no I I know <laughs> you just love disagreeing <laughs> but no I think. Yes, it's the people using the platform, but they need to step in further. So I think, you know, people using the platform obviously are violating all the rights that are there, but these businesses are not stepping in quick enough. Correct. Well, no, it's the classic, right? If someone walks up to someone else's on the street and gives them a racist comment or misogynistic comment or a homophobic comment, the guards step in and they say, you can't do that. Yes. Facebook are the guards in this scenario. They own the platform. They have the data. If someone... Do you not think that if they wanted to, in the space of about an hour, they could basically do almost the, the Facebook equivalent of Control F? Anyone yeah. who has used these phrases on our platform is immediately banned. They could do that. They could have brought in verification. Um, there was a number of examples whereby they allowed um, teenagers to be targeted. So obviously, right, if you're a teenager and you're kind of looking at uh, different people's, or we call it Facebook stalking, right, but going onto other people's pages, looking, scrolling through Instagram, looking at all the parties that people are going through, and ultimately building up a huge amount of negative, um, or negative impact in someone's self-esteem. They can monitor all of that. And instead of finding a way to stop that, they created an ad platform that allowed advertisers to exploit that. So again, that whole, um, or what you call it, the... Um, when you shop to make her feel better. Retail therapy. Retail therapy. The, the, exact, the exact same idea, right? So they basically digitized that concept, but now we knew when someone was feeling yeah. shitty about themselves and it made them very, very easy targets for marketers. So look, as far as I can say, and again, look, in terms of a woman in Silicon Valley, she released her book, um, Lean In, which was all geared towards um, pointing out some of the mistakes that employers make in terms of um, hiring women and also pointing out some of the mistakes that women make when they're in organisations where they feel inferior and therefore they don't ask for promotions and as aggressive and so on and so forth. That's fine. Um, and it's, it's good to have a, a leader within Silicon Valley who is a woman who has been very, very successful. But... She's been very, very successful from a capitalistic perspective in that Facebook's balance sheet is a hell of a lot better now than it was previously. But she has done irreparable damage to people, individuals and society. And for that, you can't just look past that and say, well, no, she's going to go and do all this wonderful work, you know? And again, 
if you look at all the stuff that we've been speaking about in the last two years, if you look at all the things that every pub in, in Ireland, the UK, have been talking about in the last few years, what is it? It's Boris, it's Trump, Trump. it's Brexit, um, Musk. it's Musk, <laughs> all these kind of stuff. And again, it's it's the spread of misinformation, disinformation, misogyny, racism, and all of this was enabled predominantly by Facebook and by Instagram. Yeah, they were the leaders of it. And she was in charge and she didn't do a fucking thing about it. And that is something that can't be forgotten about. She'll now go, she's going to go off, she's going to do philanthropic work and she's probably going to run for president in 20 years (laughs) and people shouldn't forget this is where, this is what her attitude actually is. This is what her legacy is. We'll be talking about it in 20 years time just to oh, remind 100%, people. 100% it's like, oh, this fucking one again. She's back, she's back like the devil reincarnate. And by the way, just in case people think that I'm being, but look at some of the American commentary and they are ripping her an absolute new one in terms of pointing out the damage that she's done. So look, well, is she is she gone yet or on this? No, whole kind she's of on. She's she's on. She's on the. the um, final she's on the way out. Yeah. yeah, she's gonna do her lap of um, honor. Lap of honor on the way out the door and say bye to Mark, and that'll be the end of it. Now, look, I think Cheryl Sandberg's very very smart. I think on the business side of things, one thing to point out is that she could be leaving. She's saying because she wants to do philanthropic work and her time is up. She could be just sick of his shit. <laughs> I know. I think so. I think if Facebooks are meta shares are tanking. She's getting out. She could be getting out. Yeah. Getting out when True. she's ahead. Um. And she might see inside, maybe there's a privacy thing coming up. Maybe she just sees the complete lack of innovation within Meta as opposed to your TikToks of this world, which we spoke about earlier on. They're focusing on the whole area of the, which is still the Metaverse and all this kind of area, like which is another kind of area. Seems like a playground for Mark Zuckerberg at the moment. And if you look at some of the other people in that organization, like you wouldn't be, like, I mean, Nick Clegg, who you might remember as the liberal, former liberal Democrat leader, like you wouldn't have seen him as a leader of one of the biggest companies in the world but like he could be he could take over that job Mm -hmm. Um, so I would be it'll be interesting what the hire is for them to fill that post because that because I mean Facebook are talking all about well at that level yeah like at that level of a job do they go down the route of no we want someone that's good in the job that will actually drive the business forward is it an internal hire or is it a pure namesake that we, as you said you know someone to hire in from the outside that creates publicity for them that they're on the right path I think it's going to have to be someone who's been there done it before um, like if they went and poached someone from Google or Apple that would be a big scoop now I don't think anyone from Apple but that's the thing like you're, when there. you say there like you know that they have to get someone that's been there and done before who, there isn't very many people that's been there and done it before in terms okay, of I don't know, it has to be you know, competing against Facebook there, there is no other social platform that's been you know, TikTok around the rise in the last year but there's still nowhere near the giant that is meta well, Facebook well if you're looking I mean if you're looking at okay if you're looking at the balance sheets no mm. if you're looking at the trends yes yes everything yes. is trending towards TikTok at the moment um, Facebook are losing users um Instagram is losing users and all, again, we talk about this in terms of attention economy, right? And Facebook built their empire based off of this concept of the attention economy. They are losing attention. People are getting, and I think it's for two reasons. One, lack of innovation. This, like Reels is effectively oh, it's TikTok. It's TikTok, <laughs> effectively. I hate it. Real um, passion, I think, is it's the most clunky uh, tool that they put in but feature. It's, but yeah. it's TikTok, ultimately, right? Um, and I think that... It's almost like the first draft of TikTok. First draft of TikTok, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, their innovation has not been good in the last number yeah. of years. And No. Instagram, the whole area of stories, they were onto an absolute winner. They, they crushed that Snapchat. That wasn't theirs. That was Snapchat's That's idea. That's what I'm saying. They crushed Snapchat. They took it and done it better, whereas they took the whole idea of... I know, yes, you're saying about the innovation, but yes, they took it and made it better. 
they tried to take TikTok and make it better and I think that actually damaged them. I don't think it's as good. I'm not sure they made stories better. I think The initial stories, I 100% I disagree with you. Yes, they did make it better. They, all these, the, the features that they put in there, the swipe up, the links, all this kind of stuff, absolutely phenomenal. No, but they now, did, but I think that was just because it was, I think the actual features themselves are better on Snapchat, but it worked better on Instagram. If that makes sense. As in the environment within Instagram mm. where you had the feed maybe, yeah. and you also had the stories works quite well because you've yeah. got a blend of almost two different um, content traps, if you it's like. It's amazing how quite Snapchat's gone now. Uh, the kids still use it. It's just more messaging though. Like, but everything else on it's just very quite. Oh, you know, you know, there's news about it. There's nothing I see actually Well, there isn't. Well, it. to be fair, again, in my mind, if we're talking about in- innovation in terms of advertising, Snapchat was an incredible platform from a user perspective, yeah. it never reached the heights of any of the other platforms in terms of its advertising and marketing capability. But I've like never TikTok, gone into a company and said, you need to advertise on yeah. Snapchat. It just doesn't... No, again, creating a Snapchat profile, maybe. But advertising, no. But like chance. we said about TikTok, if they started doing that on Snapchat, it was going to ruin it. They've just gone too far now that they can't do it now because mm. the audience is not there. But that's where TikTok, just as we've talked about many, many times, TikTok just have to be very, very careful about how they do this. Otherwise, they're going to wreck the platform. Yeah, entirely. But look, ultimately, look, she's gone. Um, <laughs> ding dong, the witch is dead. Um, and wait for the new one. <laughs> let's see, and look, let's see, let's see who takes over, and we'll go from there. But um, again, another another example of a tech CEO. We've mentioned Musk a few times, and she. I know she wasn't the CEO. Mark Zuckerberg was technically the CEO, but. And she was meant to be the adult in the room and she failed miserably as far as I'm concerned. Love that. So I think we'll finish it up there. Um, and the, by the way, the, the drink is I know gone. full well, she doesn't give a fuck because she no. is walking away with multiple, multiple <laughs> millions She's and we're a, still buying our own drink. We're still buying our own drink. No, in fairness, <laughs> drink is over. So that's the, that's the end of this week's podcast. So um, you all done now? Lovely. Summary <laughs> drink. Love a summary drink. Sitting on the beach. Sitting on a beach. Lovely. So thanks everyone for listening. You can subscribe, follow us on social media and we'll see you again next week. Take care. Talk to you later.